Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we talk about a different filmmaking topic, um, not from the point of view of experts or famous movie directors, but as just two guys <laughs> trying to figure out for ourselves. Figure it out. Uh-huh. Good, good afternoon, good morning, and good night. How are you guys doing? Are you gonna Are you gonna use your uh, your pee filter? Oh, pee filter. Sure. I noticed you didn't use it last time. So I just been holding it, um, <laughs> which is all right. I don't mind holding it. I just forget sometimes. Um, yeah, it's pretty silly. I want to talk about a few things. Um, one is I've I've I finally learned that we will never reach number one on iTunes. Oh, really? Why is that? Unless. Unless we start releasing more episodes, because it's not just based off of ratings or uh, subscribers, but it's also based off of when your podcast gets released and how many podcasts are in kind of like the the top individual podcast section. Oh, so I think because there's podcasters that are releasing several episodes a week, we just will never catch up to them. So what happens is usually like on Monday or Tuesday, we'll like we'll go up in the in the ratings and then by the end of the week, we fall back down because our our episode's already week old. Right. Compared to other people, I mean, to other types yeah. of podcasts, but not to filmmaking podcasts. Not to filmmaking podcasts. Like, there's no other filmmaking podcast releasing more than one episode a week, is there? Yeah, specifically film, uh, Indie Film Hustle. They do two a week? They do two, sometimes three a week. What? What does this guy have time so, to do this? <laughs> what is so he doing? We, we can't. So <laughs> I, okay. I figure that out. So... I just wanted to say that. Anyways, well, but also kind of like, yeah, listen, <laughs> listener stat wise. I mean, I mentioned to you that we had about 200 listeners a week. Right. And you said you wish that there was a zero at the end of that. And I was just curious to know, like, why, why do you wish that we had more listeners? I don't know. Just because I feel like, uh, I don't know, more listeners would be better. Right. I mean, you know, we would be reaching more people. We would be getting more feedback. We'd be hearing from more filmmakers. Um, I just think that it would make the podcast more organic. We'd be getting more topic suggestions. Uh, right. It, it, and it's growth, right? Like, I, I like growth. And um, it would be nice to be, like, after a year to have, like, at least a 1,000 listeners a week. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> right. like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the 100, 200, whatever we have, you know? That feels, that feels nice. I like it. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, no. What, I mean, um, do you, what do you not care? You're like, oh, I'll take 200 forever and I'm no problem. You know? I, was, I was more curious to see what had changed. Because <laughs> in, in the beginning days of the podcast, we're like, we don't know if anyone's listening to it, but it doesn't really matter. Even if we have 10 people, that's fine. Yeah. But now that we kind of have a feeling that it's around 200 and you mentioned that you wish that there was like, it was 2000, then I was just wondering like if there was, if something that changed in your mind that you just wish that the podcast was bigger or something. Nah. I'm still happy if it's just like 10 people. I think that's, that's fine. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just, I think I was happy with it being 10 on the first, you know, whatever month or, or two or whatever, you know, and that's, that's great. But I just feel like you want, steady incline so even if it was like one more person a week forever like that would be okay but i mean i just want it to be going up not to be plateauing or going down you know i don't Um, think it will go up unless we put some more time and energy into promoting it because like i for the first probably six months of the podcast i was doing a lot of like twitter outreach and trying to get new fans but i haven't done that and we we're not really being written about anywhere 
and <laughs> not really not, or not, not at all <laughs> not at all you know we're, we're not reaching out to websites and blogs we tried for like a week and yeah. nothing happened with it so i feel like if we really want to grow our listener base we have to put some time and energy into it but at the same time like i don't want to put that extra time and energy into it because it takes away from the filmmaking yeah that i, I want to do i i totally agree i mean i'd rather yeah, be making movies or watching movies than promoting a podcast. <laughs> I mean, my God, really? Is that what we're going to so do? So I think we might, yeah, we might be stuck here oh. unless we can find some people that are, that are just want to help us out. Like, ironically, if we had the 2,000 listeners a week, then we might be able to find people just to do stuff for us. Right. Well, I don't know. I think we valuable. should still feel pretty grateful. Like, we've got two people who've edited for us in the past, you know, for free. Which is awesome. Shout out to Cameron yeah. and um, Matt Krasinski. I think he's saying his name right. Um, so those guys are awesome. I mean, I don't know. I guess I think on one hand, I'm like grateful for the kind of engagement we, that we do have, you know. Um, and then people reach out to be on the show. And, you know, like we sometimes bring people on, sometimes don't. I just, I don't know. I guess yeah. I guess you got to look at, there's two ways. You could be like, oh, we're not growing enough. Or you could be like, wow, we actually have people who are listening <laughs> and who want yeah. to be engaging totally. with us. It's like, okay. Well, it's pretty amazing. Like every week I feel like I'm hearing from someone new that I haven't heard from before that I didn't know listened to our podcast. Right, totally. And it's just the emails that we're getting at our podcast at makingmoviesishard.com email address seems to be more frequent oh yeah and now we're even getting people like reaching out and saying hey i want to be a guest on your show and so one of the other things i want to talk about is we've been struggling with this a little bit trying to figure out well who is the right kind of guest for the show i think in the past we've really just relied on friends and people that we knew pretty well which seems to be working but We've had to turn down some people recently, and I'm just wondering, like, do we need to come up with a criteria, or should we just say, like, it's only going to be people that we know really well? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I don't just kind of curious to hear where your head's at right now with, like, who's a good guest? Because I think it helps for the listeners, too, for people who are thinking that maybe down the line they'd like to be a guest on here. What are we looking for? Because we're not just letting anyone on. We have said no a few times now, and mainly the reason is we don't want people to come on and just sell their movie it's not like an interview show where people just come and plug their current project right. we really want it to be about the struggle and it's really i feel i find it's really hard to find a story from a filmmaker who's already completed their movie yeah right. sayla was interesting because she was still kind of like in the midst of her movie i think had she already been done with her movie i think that would have been less interesting so yeah i'm not sure but at the same time we could have had that exact same interview with her six months from now when her movie is completely done and edited. So it doesn't really matter at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I want to hear like some like really passionate, like, you know, gritty story of like why this movie was so important to them to, to get made and their struggles to get it made. And then, and then how it all went down and how they were able to figure it out and like get into like the nitty gritty of those things, you know, like I'm less interested in people who, you know, either just made a movie cause they want to make a movie or like, Oh, I like, um, you know, action movies. So I made an action movie. It's like, well, where did the story come from? Oh, I just thought of this thing that I like, you know, sounded cool. Like, you know, I thought it was fun. So I'll do it. Like, I, I'd rather have people who like are really passionate behind their actual stories and like feel like they have like some kind of urge, some desire, some like draw or pool to like get this thing made. Like it has to exist in the universe or they can't like go on with their lives, you know? Like I want that kind of like weight 
to their story, you know? Um, and I also want people who like have something that they want to talk about or like a struggle that they're dealing with that they, they want to air out and like get, um, you know, feedback on or, or just discuss in an open forum. So like, you know, somebody who's like, Oh, I could talk about anything. It's like, well, what do you want to talk about? Like any topic. It's like, well, you know, and I just feel like it just need, I just want, I want that like internal, like thing. And then a friend of mine brought up a good point. He was saying like, well, you know, if, uh, if you don't want them to come on to promote their thing, then why do they want to even be on your show? Like people, the reason why they're coming on your show is to promote their thing. Like if you're, if you're not making that a part of it, then why, how are you even going to get guests in the first place? And I guess it's because I I think it's, yeah, people want to share their experience. Like, right. Andrew at the time, the first guest we had was Andrew and he didn't have a movie that he was plugging. Like he had finished a movie, but he didn't come on our show to plug that movie. That movie had already been done for almost two years, right? Well, so something more, like that. It's yeah, still, he was still just in like, distribution status, but yeah, it wasn't like he was promoting it but or anything. Yeah, he was just coming on to talk to us and same thing with Colin and same thing with Mark. And yeah, they just, they know, just have a like passion they, for the topic and they just wanted to talk about it. And they, they said some interesting things to say about certain things about filmmaking. And I just think that's the kind of the more the person I want to talk, talk to is like basically like someone like us who like we're doing this podcast because we have a lot of things that we want to talk about and discuss with filmmaking. So just we want like minded people to come in and like talk about something that they're passionate about and like interact with us, you know, not to like talk about the movie they made and like, you know, all that stuff. Um, although that's interesting too, but I, I just, I want a little bit more than just that, I guess, you know? Cause I mean, yeah. e- even if you're making like the most boring, bland, like movie that has no real reason to exist or no whatever, like you're still probably going to be kind of interesting because making movies is very hard and very interesting, you know, in general. So I feel like most people would be pretty interesting to talk to, but it's hard to d- decide who's got the right story, you know, or who's... I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, it's challenging. Well, let's throw it back to the audience then. Let's see what, what the audience thinks. I mean, if you guys have opinions about who we should have on the show, yeah, I mean, let us know. Because I think it is kind of, we're going to run out of people that we know personally at a certain point, And then we'll have to kind of figure out like, <laughs> maybe <who> we, <laughs> or even just how do we engage with people that are writing us emails? Because most of the time, your friend's right. Most of the time people are, do want to come on the podcast because they're, they have something that they want to get out into the world. And that makes complete sense and I'm all for it. I just don't want to be, I don't want the topic of the podcast to be on that movie that they made. I want it to be around some sort of struggle. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me is like, I know so many people that I think would be great guests on the show. Like, I don't know, at least 20 people I could think of. I could just list them to you right now. And they're all, I think would be great guests. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever run out because I I don't necessarily just want like writers and directors. Like I I think it'd be really interesting to talk to like a steady cam operator and like see like what, how do they tell, tell their stories and how do they do their art, you know, and how do they interact with filmmaking, you know, and, and that whole, that whole thing. Cause I think that steady cam operating is like such an art and such an important tool to tell a story visually, you know, and I think there's a lot to be said about there. Like, you know, we know a a DP who, who uh, shot of, you know, our movie over my dead body. Yeah. And I know he would love to be on the show and he's really interesting too, because, you know, not only is he a visual storyteller as a DP, but he's also an artist and, and, uh, you know, a comic book artist and he has his own line of comic books that he's, that he makes. So, I mean, he would be really interesting on the other, because you could talk about like, you know, his art as a DP 
you know, and then how he translates that into, you know, his art as an artist, as a comic book artist, you know? So, I mean, I just feel like the, 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 the well of guests that I, that we know personally between the two of us almost seems endless, you know? And so if we're going to bring on somebody that we don't know, like they have to, I think they have to be really interesting. Yeah. You know, I see what you're saying. I guess for me, the, the outside opinion of people that I don't know, sometimes it's about getting, a perspective that's not based on like the my bay area film crew yeah that's you know? true too or, or people that like like jason that you brought up i feel like i i've talked to jason enough and i've already learned a lot from him that i you know when i talk to somebody i want to like be feel fresh like there's yeah. this uncharted territory that maybe i'm gonna get something from them that i i would never have gotten from the my my circle of friends. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it would be interesting to talk to somebody from out of the Mer- of America, you know, like an Australian yeah. filmmaker or somebody, you know, completely in a different space than we are. I think right. that, that would be like, like Evan Kidd was really interesting for that reason too, because it, it yeah. sounded very different, like his experience, you know? Um, totally. So here's what I'll say. If anybody wants to be on the show and they write us, do not write us and say, you have this awesome story about this movie that you just made and you want to come in and talk about it because you just finished it and it's going, it's premiering and you want everyone to go see it because we're not interested in promoting a movie. But if you have something that you want to talk about, you have some angle, like write us and tell us what the angle is for your, for what you want to, what you want to yeah. come on. And, What's and the struggle about? that you want to discuss and like figure out together on the show? Yeah. What makes you different ever? There's lots of people making movies, making a movie is not interesting. What's interesting is if you're making a movie differently than other people, or you're doing it in a place where people aren't making movies or, Right. I don't know, just something something that we can't get just from the average guest. Don't be afraid to like talk about your problems or your issues or your shortcomings. Like I think sometimes people come on and they don't want to ever show the bad stuff. They just want to talk about all the good stuff and they want to just show like this like glossy perfect like thing that they're doing. But I think it's more interesting to hear about what goes wrong because like, you know, no matter what movie you're making or who you are, there's something that has gone wrong in the process. And so I mean, I think those things are more interesting to hear like, what was, what was the problem? What was the, was the difficulty and how did you overcome it? You know, or how did you not overcome it? And then what did you do to pivot around that? You know, like, I think all those things are really interesting. And at the end of the day, what Ulrich and I think is interesting is what ends up on the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, you probably are listening to this and you probably think you fit in all these categories and we might not choose you and it's nothing personal. It's just for what we think is going to be good. Right. And it's not an interview show either. So it's not like we're going to do guests constantly. It's like every once in a while. So we can't just pick everybody, you know? Yeah. So enough said, I think. Enough said. Spent about 15 minutes on that. That's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So that'll be my my, uh, contribution to The Daily Struggle. That's what I'm struggling with with right now. Okay. How do we choose guests for the podcast? Can you just give us a quick little like spirit machine, little like taste, little tidbit, like in three minutes or something? Just like, what's up? Yeah. I'll give it to you in three 30 seconds the visual effects are done all i have left is to finalize the color and do a final mix the final mix is scheduled at the end of july and i'm just trying to figure out a day to go in and sit with the colorist so knock on wood everything should be done by the end of july congratulations man Thanks. And then will I finally get to see it in uh, in August? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah, August or September is what I'm aiming for for a premiere. So I'll rent theaters in L.A., San Francisco, and New York. 
and I'll be sure to let you guys know about it and you guys can all come out and see it. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. Imagine like we get people from the podcast in all these different cities to all come out and see your movie. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, are you going to go to all three of the screenings? Are you? Are they, yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Sweet. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be at the San Francisco one for sure. A- a- absolutely. Okay, cool. Unless like, you know, you schedule it when I'm out of town or something. <laughs> I know. That's my fear is that I'm going to schedule a screening and then all these people that I thought were going to be there and be like, oh, that's such a bad day for me. I can't make it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you got to just pick a date and just go with it at some point. Right? I know. That's what I'm going to do. Well, this is a pretty good transition because uh, if you guys listened to last week's show, I talked about making this movie uh, a good man, uh, the short of short version of the Korean feature, Korean American feature I was working on months ago. So, uh, yeah, that movie is now completely edited. We picture locked on Saturday night at like seven o'clock or seven thirty, and nice. then color happened yesterday. So color's all done now, and sound's been happening yesterday, and it's going to continue today, and should be locked tomorrow morning by nine a.m. Um, so talk about like the exact opposite of the spirit machine. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so by the time this podcast airs, it'll be done. It'll be done. And I'll, I'll probably send you the cut with uh, Korean and and English subtitles probably tomorrow sometime or maybe Wednesday. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fast. I basically the whole time of us actually working on it. I think the director might've started a little earlier, but it was like probably maybe a month for for me or like three weeks that I worked on this movie to get it done. <laughs> is that the fastest ridiculous. movie you've ever produced? Um, from start to finish, yeah, I think so. Um, for yeah, I, I mean, trying to think if I did anything quicker than that. Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe like a little video for a friend or something, but like a real movie that I would show people. Yeah, this is definitely the fastest. And and at this caliber this, this level of quality yeah. you know how did how did it turn out i think it, it's pretty great man i mean i don't want to get overconfident but i think it's gonna do pretty well because um it's really a weird movie uh and it's got like a little bit of everything <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i sent it to you did you get a chance to watch it i haven't no, no that's okay i mean half of it's in well not half like maybe a a third of it's in Korean, so without <laughs> okay. subtitles, so you probably would have uh, gotten a little lost. Although I feel like the visual storytelling is is pretty strong. That even if you don't understand what they're saying, that you still get what's going on, like the just the gist of it. You know, I I don't know. I think it, it looks beautiful. It could have standed to be a little bit shorter. It's fourteen minutes and fifteen seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked it if better if it was like under twelve. But I mean, I think given the time and, and the director's sensibilities, like he loves to have lots of silence. So I think we were able to give him that within the 14 minutes running time, you know? So I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. it, it was, yeah. You sound really excited about it. That's great. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it's going to this Korean film festival on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it gets to Korea, I think on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, hopefully it gets in there, but I'm I'm going to push them to like submit it to a bunch of film festivals. Like I think like Austin is probably a good match for it. South by Southwest even, um, you know, it's not a horror movie, but it's, it's kind of, it is genre. I mean, he calls it a straight drama, but it is very, it's got a genre tint to it, you know, for sure. Like just a little, it's like really edgy. So I don't know. We just gotta, I gotta just really push them to submit it to as many places as possible. I mean, we're completely out of money, so they don't. I don't think they have any <laughs> money to submit it to film festivals. Yeah. But I know that some of their partners have more money because they're like, you know, you know, 
grown ups with full time jobs and you know all that stuff. So I I bet there's a few hundred dollars out there amongst the group for film festival submissions. Um, because I just think like they need to push it. Like they can't just submit it to one or or three or four. I think they need to submit it to like twenty to thirty. And I think the return will be pretty high for this one. And then what's the goal? That they want to make a feature from it still? Yeah, they want to raise the money for a feature with this, you know, and and get awareness. And I think the people that they know in in Korea, like the the industry people over there, Mm -hmm. I feel like if they're impressed by this, then they feel like they're going to get funding from these people. Um, That's why they were hurrying so fast to get to yeah. this, this deadline for the film festival. Because they went to this film festival last year, and I don't—they didn't get in, but they had the teaser with them. So they went to Korea and they showed it to all these um, industry people, and they basically said, like, "Oh, this is cool, but you know, this isn't really enough for us to like buy you guys as like serious filmmakers. So come back next year with something a little bit more." And their plan was to come back with a feature next this this year but then that didn't pan out because of they didn't, they weren't able to raise the money they needed it kind of fell through yeah yeah and so now they're like okay well this is what we were able to do with the little that we were able to get like what do you guys think like we we made it happen regardless of like you know not having the right the finances and so hopefully they're they're going to wow the shit out of these people um in Korea a couple of people asked me if like it got into the film festival in Korea like if i would mm. go to Korea. Um, (laughs) and I don't know. I mean, (laughs) that's a lot of money to go out there, but I mean, it would would be also like pretty awesome. Like a lifetime experience to like go to Korea, watch a movie that you produced, you know, with a bunch of of people at this humongous, like the film festival gets 250,000, um, people going to it a year. It's like the biggest film festival in Asia. So it would be like, it'd be a big deal to go there. Yeah. That sounds cool. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just, I'm really proud of it. I mean, the the editing experience was really fun. Like the guy who edited it is uh, this uh, guy, Julian De Benedictus, who um, is like a, a grip and electric guy as well. And mm-hmm. so that, he's worked on like two or three of my movies um, in the past. And I've just known him for a while. And I heard that he edited the DP was like really trying to get us to bring an editor on for this project. And I just thought there was no time, but he was like, you just ask him to see. And so I approached him he wanted to do it. He did it. And, uh, God, he did a great job. I mean, my, my goodness, like working with him was such a pleasure. Like, I think he's going to be my editor on all my projects going forward. Oh, nice. He's really, really fast for one. Obviously he edited this thing in like four days. We've got similar sensibilities and the way he works mm-hmm. and the way I like to work are very similar. So it was just, it was a really good experience. And I spent like two days in the editing room with him and the director sort of just like, facilitating things and making sure the director got he what he, what he wanted and then making sure that like the right little fine tweaking things were done and like why'd you use this shot like let's find a better shot like the dp watched the cut didn't like these shots but like we got to remove these ones and you know like that kind of stuff and i think it yeah. worked really well well cool should i wait to see it after the subtitles get yeah put on? i think so and and okay. it'll have color and, and proper sound design too so i think you should just wait um until okay, the cool. next cut um but yeah, so I don't know, man. It's a pretty exciting time. It's so funny. Like I didn't want to do this project at all, and like after doing it, I just feel like, oh my god, you're reinvigorated. Yeah. Last week you're all positive. Now you sound all energetic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's really weird. Like I, I, you know, I never really thought. Like I was like, oh, I'm happy to produce things. Like I l- love producing your movie, and I was like kind of curious about producing another one. And now that I did, 
it's like, okay, well now I kind of need to produce one more short film so I can like have a good reel as a producer of like three shorts that I've done as like lead head producer. Um, And then I could like, I just think that that would make it like a good thing for my resume, you know? Um, So if anyone has a really cool sci-fi short of some kind, (laughs) that's actually really good. You got to send it to me because I would potentially be interested in producing it. If you have the resources. There you go. Right. Ulrich's not going to fund your movie. I'm not going to fund your movie, but I will help you make it. (laughs) He'll help you spend your money, which leads us to budgeting. Yeah, budgeting. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we should have talked about a long time ago. Like, how do you put together a movie and, and a budget? Because I'm sure there's people out there that may have not done it or are just curious to hear how we've done it. So let's jump into it. Sure. How do you how do you start? When do, how do you start most of your short films? Do you have money in, or do you have like a amount of money you're willing to spend already before you start putting numbers to paper, or do you work the other way around where you figure out what you can get for free and what you need to pay for, and then come up with the budget from there. Well, I've done it both ways. Um, and I think it's probably better to start with a, a amount of money, you know, and be like, this is the amount we have. And then that way you can work within those constraints and you usually don't, it's, I think it's easier not to go over. Although I've gone over, <laughs> I went over on this last one <laughs> and, but I, but I knew I was like, I saw the number and I was like, okay, for what we're trying to do, there's no way we're going to be able to do it for this amount. So I basically in the, the very, in the beginning, I was like, it's going to be like, X, you know, more than what it is, you know, and it ended up being even a little bit more than that um, in the end. Yeah. People um, don't like hearing that at the beginning of a project. Yeah. When they come to you and say, I have a thousand bucks and you're like, that's great. That's a good start. But we're probably going to need 3000. Well, so remember over my dead body, I think they said they had like 2500 or 3000 or something like that. And then the first thing I did is I put a budget together and I was like, no, no, it's going to be 4500. It's not going to be 25, <laughs> like 100, 3000. Like it's just not going to happen. And then so I budgeted at 44. Turned out they only got 1500, actually, not even the, the 3000. <laughs> right. And then I had yeah. to like go back and rework the budget to get it to like, as close to 1500 as I could. I think I got it to like 3000 or something or 2700 or maybe it was a little bit more than that. It was, it was around, it was around 3000 in the end. Um, and they were able to raise that and get that extra money together. But, uh, but yeah, I yeah, mean, at it's our really level, like budgets are malleable, but they're not completely, you can't like make it any price. There's like kind of like a, a threshold that you're going to find with every project. So I, I've did, done the same things where it's like, I always know how much money I want to spend. And then as you get into spending it, you realize that it's not going to cover you for all the things that cost money. Yeah. So you can get a lot of stuff for free, but you usually can't get everything for free. And then one of the big things that I always end up forgetting this like craft service food stuff. Right. And they didn't have that on their first budget. They gave me for a good man. There was no food, no hard drives, <laughs> right. no walkies, no, right. no post, yeah. you know, no color, no sound, um, no editing, none for talent at all. And I mean, I'm embarrassed to say we, we, we paid only like two of our actors, I think, or one of them, you know, just because that was, that was the way he wanted to approach it. We're like, we're just not, we're not able to pay actors. So what does your budget look like? What software do you use and how many lines do you have it broken down into? I don't really use movie magic or anything like that. Like I, I have a, um, a spreadsheet on Google docs that I use. It's like an Excel spreadsheet. And I've, I've used that for like all my pro- like commercial production stuff. So I'll use that a lot of the time to just like kind of lay out the budget for my narrative things. Um, like it's already set up with like all the different t- 
types of people you might need in a film. And right. Just kind of like plug in the numbers. Exactly. And then I also have um, this one that's more of a proper budget um, that kind of I uh, threw together. And then the one I used on this last one, the director put together. And so I just, it was kind of a different structure, but sort of like had production, post-production, cast, um, you know, and then miscellaneous equipment. And, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, no, no matter what, it kind of breaks down that way. It's like, you know, locations, uh, c- crew, cast, miscellaneous, equipment, post, and expenses, you know. It's so much easier to work on a budget when you have a sheet that has everything you might ever need on a film. Right. Because then you can just go line by line and be like, do I need this? Like, all right, starting usually the first line is like, producer. <laughs> do I need a producer? Yes. Can I pay them? No. Are they? Did somebody agree to work for free? Yes. Great. I'll just put zero there. Move on. Next one. Production coordinator. Do I need a production coordinator? Just like go line by line all the way down. And that's basically what I have. Yeah. Like something Mm -hmm. like you know that equivalent. You know, in in a few different forms. And you know, sometimes I have one that's like really intricate, and it's like kind of more of a professional breakdown it's it's not a movie magic but it's i think it's exactly like movie magic it's just a plug-in for excel um and i don't like using it because there's just too many things in there too many things and like yeah. things that i wouldn't that never would apply to me you know and uh or the kind of level of projects i'm doing so i'm sort of just like fuck that shit you know yeah do you have crew rates in your budget like yeah. are you like preset ones uh, yeah, from previous jobs. And I mean, the commercial rates and the, the independent rates are a lot different, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I have an idea of what, what appropriate like key rates are and then the, the rates for, um, the positions below the keys. And I guess, you know, a lot of the people I work with come from, from sort of a more of a union background. So it's like, if the key is getting X amount of money, then the, the position below the key needs to get X less than the key. And then the person below that needs to get X less than that person, you know? And so it has to go in a structure. You can't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to pay the key this much and then pay this other person like, you know, a hundred or $200 a day less just because I want to pay the keys this much. It's like, well, you're going to pay the key this amount. You have to pay everybody in the, in the department X amount less than the key, you know? So setting the key rate often, you know, heavily decides like what the rest of the rates are going to be. So like, if somebody's working for 500 and the people below them are like 400 and then 300, something like that, you can't pay that person 500 and then the people under them like 100 each. Right. They just won't take it. Exactly. Or the key, like in a lot of cases, the keys won't, won't take it. The keys will be like, no, uh, this is insulting to, to the rest of my department. Like I'm not going to ask my department to work for these like low rates. If I'm getting X, my, the, the, my best boy has to get, you know, Y, you know, like it just, it can't be, you can't just pay my best boy $200 a day if I'm getting 500 a day. That's just not Well, cool. if you're a first time producer and you're trying to uh, put money or guess what crew rates are, how do you figure that out? Well, I think, uh, I think you need to talk to people who do it, you know, and like you have to, I think it's, it's tough because when you call like, let's say a gaffer or a key grip or whatever, they're going to try to get as much money as they possibly can from you. So like to get an idea of what standard rates are, it will be tricky, you know, and I think each market has different standard rates. Uh, but I think you just need to start with whatever you feel comfortable with or whatever you feel like is fair and then go from there. And I mean, I don't know, do we want to say what I think is fair like (laughs) that's totally up to you totally up to me okay yeah like because you're now 
making something public to other people like what you pay crew yeah i don't know i have very like strong opinions about this like uh in commercial especially like i think there's like certain rates that everyone should be getting in the commercial world because you know like when i try to hire somebody this is like the if if they know it's a commercial job they won't do it for less than x because especially right now in the bay area everything's so busy and so you can't really get people to to work for lower than standard rates you know um but for for indie movies uh i definitely have like less strong opinions i just know what i've what i've gotten paid on jobs and what other people have gotten paid on jobs in the past and so i just know what's possible you know it's it's all up to the person like if you're a key like you're not i mean i think it's kind of ridiculous to expect that you're going to get $500 a day as a key on an indie feature like that's just too much money like you know maybe the dp will get that maybe but probably not like i think most keys on low low budget indie features i'm talking like 100k ish are probably getting somewhere around 300 maybe even less potentially you know, what's a uh, minimum wage in San Francisco right now? It's like $14 an hour or something. So 14, let's say just by a 10 hour day, it's $140. Well, so you have to pay, ca- you are, you, are you in count? Are you putting for, for overtime in there? Cause you have to put, if you're doing 10 hour days, uh, you have no, to have two hours of time and a half onto that too. So it's really like a hundred and what, like 65 or something a day. Yeah, but I would say like, you, that's a probably a good way to like know what the, very bottom line is like you don't want to pay people under minimum wage all right i mean people do all the time like it's you know (laughs) all the time i mean project yeah dude like i got paid like you know i'm gonna shout it out like i got paid a hundred dollars a day on one of my first scripty jobs and i mean you know we were working anywhere from eight to ten hour days like sometimes 12 but mostly eight to ten which was really nice so i didn't really feel like i was taking advantage of that much i mean i was definitely getting less than minimum wage but for me it wasn't really about that it was more about getting the experience and just making a movie for 20 days you know or 15 days or whatever it was so i didn't really I guess hold that's that what kind of ends up happening is if you at a certain point the rate that you're offering who you're going to be attracting are people that just need the experience and it's not about money for them. Right. But if you want to hire like people that are really experienced at what they do, then normally you have to pay them a little bit more. Right. And I mean, I feel like if you get, um, if you're like a union movie or if you have an accountant involved or, you know, whatever, you get more serious, then I don't think they would let you pay them, pay people under that unless you like, I mean, I bet you could, I bet you could be like, oh, well, it's just a stipend. They're not actually getting paid. They're an intern, you know, and then do it that way. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I think if you look at it, right, like getting, giving a PA a hundred dollars a day to work on an indie feature. I mean, that's really low, but it feels almost like an okay number. Like if you're just starting out, because like PAs on commercial sets get 200 a day. So right, that's true. you can't really give them a 200 day would be ridiculous for a PA on an, on an indie feature almost. So I feel like 150 seems to be, or even, I don't know, like I, like, yeah, <laughs> but cause like if you're going to pay a grip $200 a day, you know, or even a, like, yeah, and a best boy, like 250 or 275, it's like, are you really going to be able to pay a PA 200? Like they're so much more qualified than that PA. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's true because uh, definitely I've 
I just made up that whole thing with like minimum wage is like a good way to like start, but you're right. I paid people a lot less than that before. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's, it's all about the agreement with the person. You got to make sure that they're comfortable with the rate that they're getting and that they're, you know, not going to be bitching about it later or causing problems for you, you know? And I think most of the time that doesn't happen, but I just, it needs to be a discussion and it needs to be very clear upfront, like what everyone's getting. And I think a lot of time for keys too, like, you know, if you're going to get a key to work for 300 a day, which is like really low for a key, oftentimes they'll have equipment that they're bringing onto the job and they'll be getting a rate for the equipment as well. And so that equipment rate will definitely offset their, uh, you know, the rate they're getting uh, as their labor rate, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. When I did Man's Best Friend, I wanted to spend 2000 bucks, And I remember the way that we went about it was we just started trying to get as much as we could for free before we did anything else. So yeah. we found a DP that was willing to work for free. We found a camera package that we could get for free. We found a location that we got for free. We found actors that were willing to work for free. We found a few like kind of PA crew member level positions that were willing to work for free. So then there's just like a few other things that we had to pay for. And so like once we got a bunch of stuff for free, then we're like, all right, well, we really need a trained dog. So let's put some money towards that. And then we really need some like lighting and camera people that the DP said we're going to have to pay. So all our, all of our money pretty much went to like the dog, the, the camera and lighting crew, the wardrobe and props and food. Yeah. That's where that $2,000 went. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think like, you know, you just have, if like, you know what you can spend, I think it's easier to, to get it all together. Cause you can just approach people and be like, we don't have any money. Like we don't. And like, <laughs> right. when I, and like, like that's a very relative term. Like I said that the other day and, and the person was like, well, that's really relative, isn't it? Like any money. <laughs> Like you don't have any money, like you can pay me $300 a day or you don't have any money, right, like you can true. pay me $100 a day, you know? Like, At my work, producers are always coming into my office and be like, I need some suggestions. I have no money. I'm like, what does that mean? No money. And they'll be like, I have like $300,000 for a 30 second spot. I was like, that's not no money. You have, you have plenty. Yeah. Like we can, we can <laughs> I can make, make a whole work. feature for $300,000. <laughs> damn man. It's and all it's, relative. It's all relative. So yeah, you have to be like very specific. So instead of saying no money, just tell somebody that you're interested in just like exactly how much you're, you're willing to pay for them. And like, are you willing to do it for 50 bucks a day? And yeah. see if they'll say yes. And if they aren't, that's fine. Yeah. And it's interesting. Sometimes it's really easy. Like with a short, it's it's easier to get people to jump on board because like, you know, usually you're just asking for a day or two, you know, and like people will do a day for really low rates or even no rates, depending on their availability and the time of the year, which is kind of why I do a lot of uh, freebie like uh, passion projects in uh, January, December, like those months, because that's usually the slowest time. So you can like as long as people aren't on vacation which is like the other thing that you have to deal with. But, you know, usually people are less busy so you can get them to jump in on a project because they're not really doing anything, you know, or their equipment sitting around or they're looking for something to do until the, you know, the, the year picks up or whatever. So I've had a lot of success in doing projects in January, December, or even November, you know, like in those months. But we just did ours in the summer and it was extremely difficult because not only <laughs> is it summertime, so people are going on vacation, it's also like the busiest time of the year. So like I called like 30 sound mixers before I was able to find somebody because like everybody was booked. It was like wow, crazy. Did you have money? Um, 
Yeah, I had a little money. And even and it was like a pretty good rate for for an indie rate, you know? Like it wasn't like insultingly low. Like I've definitely paid people less to do sound on on projects. So, you know, even even with a little bit more than what I usually have, it still was really really hard. Um, but uh but I don't know. I mean, I think that's why, like, I'm sort of excited about features because, like, you know, since it's going to be, like, 15, 20 days, like, you can sort of get people to come in for a little bit less because they know how many days they're going to get on it. It's like, oh, yeah, you, can, you know, you want me to work $300 for one day? Like, pff, I don't know. But it's like, oh, you want to do that for 15, 20 days? That's guaranteed work. Like, okay, well, you know, like, that's definitely going to add up over time. And, uh, you know... Like, and I get to make a movie, which is what I want to do with my my life anyways, rather than corporate commercial bullshit, you know? <laughs> right. Would you ever structure a feature film rate as like a flat rate for the, the time period of the movie? Or would you always do it as a day rate? I've done that before. Like I've worked as a flat rate for the time period. Um, but I feel like you could do that for equipment. Like you can get like, uh, you know, like a whatever, like a, a 10 day rental or whatever. But for labor, no, you got to do it by day. I think people might agree to it, but I think it just shows a little bit more respect to the crew and it just shows that you're a little more serious if you just offer um, a daily labor rate, you know, because that's just sort of what's expected. And yeah, and I think people it's like it makes it like harder for people to get taken advantage of, I think, mm -hmm. because if you say, oh, it's just going to be five thousand dollars for for two for a month. It's like, well, <laughs> how many days am I working and how many hours per day? Right. I think yeah. it all needs to be break, broken down. It's like, okay, we're doing, um, you're, you're agreeing to work for, let's say $300 a day for 20 days at 12 hour days. And if we go over 12, you will get overtime based off of your daily rate, you know? And, and the way that breaks down gets really complicated because it's not just 300 for 12. It's like, okay, well, 300 is incorporating the overtime, those four hours of time and a half from eight to 12. So then you have to break down like, okay, so what are they getting for an eight hour day? And it, it ends up being like, whatever, something like, you know, 240 something divided by eight, you know? And then it's like, that is what you give them double time over 12, you know? Um, and that's why it's really helpful to have an accountant to figure that all out. <laughs> Cause if you have to do that as a producer, um, every time, if you ever go overtime, which usually you'll never will, if you're smart, you know, like that movie I worked on, um, the Valley, we didn't go over. I think we went overtime like one hour and not for the whole crew, only for like the lighting crew. That's but amazing. I, I think, yeah, they like just really kept to the schedule and like, you know, make, make it happen and rearrange things as they needed, you know. And we never got second meal on that movie either. Like usually you get second meal all the time because you're constantly going over. But on that one, I don't think there was like one time where I thought we were going to get it and then we didn't, didn't ever get it, you know. Um, so that's like, they, they just did a really good job of staying on schedule and, yeah. you know, working that's with what rare, they had. I think, especially in the indie world. So if somebody came to you and said, Hey, Ulrich, I got this short film script. It's like, I don't know, five pages long. And I think it'll only take a day to shoot. How much do you think it's going to cost? Like, would you have an answer for them without looking at their script of like what mm. you thought like a day, a day shoot might cost them? No. You just said... If you if you need to come up with money really quick, like find me five to ten, and then well, if it's five we'll pages, I should be able to read it in five minutes and and give them <laughs> an answer. 
you know um, i know it was a trick question i was because <laughs> this happens to me all the time at my work where you'll have like clients or account people saying like what what's it cost for a one-day shoot and you're like what are we shooting like i don't know just like in general like how much does a one-day shoot cost it's like it totally depends it can cost wildly different ranges yeah, depending I- on what you're shooting <laughs> so yeah, you really need to have a script to know what you're dealing with, how many actors, how many locations, and all the other variables in it. Do you ever go through a script and like highlight the different pieces of it? Oh, sure. Like, like go through and just make sure there's nothing too insane happening in that movie and be like... Yeah, like do you break it out like, oh, we need this prop and we need like these actors for this many pages and then we need these actors. I don't really for- worry about props as much. I, I worry more about like locations and uh, and like if we need like stunts or vehicles or vehicles driving through traffic, like those kinds of things, which end up being really, really challenging to do. How about you know? like rain? People love writing rain. I, I, I ignore rain. I just feel like, well, they're not going to really get it to rain. Um, and if you need it to rain, <laughs> then um, we need a lot more money. And and they kind of wanted it to rain in this movie. And I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to make it a rain. He's like, well, we have a sprinkler. And I was like, mm, we're not going to make it rain. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, it's just not like either it's going to rain. Why or- is that? Why why can't people pull off rain on a because it's crazy difficult to 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 do fake rain. Like I I worked on one set where they made it rain, and they had a it's like a whole truck that comes out, and there's like a guy who runs the truck, and like you got to set up all these poles around the scene, and you just shoot water into the air, and it comes down like rain. But it's like really tricky, and like the camera had to be far away from it so the camera and the gear wouldn't get wet, and it's a, it's a, you know, it took like, I mean, I think it took a whole like six hours to do like a half page scene with rain. It was like, it was crazy, man. Why can't you just do the same thing with sprinklers? Because it won't shoot high enough, it won't be thick enough. Um, you know, it'll just look like it'll look like a sprinkler falling. <laughs> amongst a sunny day you know like it it's yeah it's a lot man and like what are some other things like that that people probably don't realize how expensive it is how about like steady cam or like dollies dollies take a lot of time to get to make them look good and 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 you know get them right as you know um steady cam it depends on if you know somebody who's a steady cam operator who's willing to work for you but i mean you know, commercial commercial rates for Steadicam, it's like $2,500 a day for a Steadicam operator. So, you know, like, even if you were to give them, like, a quarter of their rate, it would still be, like, whatever, 600 bucks or something. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's insane. It's, a, it's like... I spent really a lot expensive. of time in my early filmmaking days trying to make my own Steadicam from, like, PVC pipe. Oh, yeah. Never never really worked, though. Oh, yeah, we had a glide cam um, that my friend got for his little camcorder. And that thing worked okay, but it still was, like, definitely not a steady cam. Steady cam, it's, like, a hard-to-replace thing. Like, I'm sure you've seen Ronins or Movies, those little, like, gyros, like, handheld gyro things. Yeah, yeah. those things are awesome. They're awesome, but they're not a replacement for a steady cam. Like a, yeah, a steady cam and they take forever to set up. They take forever to set up. I mean, I think they're they're really useful for certain things, and like where you where you you couldn't use a steady cam to do the same shot. But if you're just trying to get a steady cam type movement, you just just get a steady cam operator and and get a good one. You know, because because that's that's an amazing thing when you see a steady cam operator pull off a beautiful shot. You know, flawlessly, like with very little practice. It's like wow. 
that person what are is in what tune. are some scenes that are really hard to light that you just need tons of lights for and you just indie filmmakers should stay away from them well interiors in general like night interiors are kind of hard you know because you have to like bring in a lot of light to to do it sometimes especially if it's in a big space the smaller the space the easier it is right have you ever like lit an entire forest at night <laughs> yeah i have i mean i haven't but i've worked on movies where they have um that's can you do that on an independent level no <laughs> maybe <But laughs> one it's... time i drove a drove a car out at night into like a little p- part of golden gate park to actually is for loan you know that shot in loan where you see like there's fireflies flying in mm-hmm. front of the trees yeah and the the rocket takes off in the background yeah. we tried to shoot that practically by like pointing my car's headlights like through the forest <laughs> like blinking them on and it looked terrible so we ended up making the whole thing in cg but um yeah, yeah it's hard it's hard to get get forests at night yeah well i worked on this this little web series thing a while ago and it was like night exteriors um at, at a location we didn't have access to for power so we couldn't plug in lights or anything and so they just turned on the car lights uh, headlights of, of a couple different cars and pointed them at at the at the scene and uh it worked okay but it, it just kind of looked shitty it just looked like we were pointing <laughs> car lights right. at these people you know it was just like that's just not how you light something like i just think you know if you want it to look good like you gotta get the right tools out you know and i mean you can do things on an indie like low budget level and like you know you know cameras are really great and low light these days so there's a lot you can pull off but if you really wanted to have that cinematic feel, like I just think that getting a good DP and a good gaffer involved is just really important and making sure that you give them the tools they need to get the job done, which all if costs money. If you don't money. have the right equipment and you try to pull it off, it's going to look bad. So if that's what you're doing, you just need to embrace the shittiness of it. Yeah. And I feel like that's where like indie movies that have very little money just embrace that side of it and don't try to do more than they can afford like there are movies where like they they do night exterior shots with like a handheld camera and like you know with natural lighting just using you know street lights or whatever and it looks okay but that's because they embrace the style and they embrace the feel of that you know yeah, like the grain of the footage and like all that. they're not trying to do a dolly shot you know they're just doing handheld and i feel like if you make it intimate and make it feel like it's just you're there with the person in a, in a sort of a naturalistic way that it can work better. But I just think you need to work with what you have, you know, and like the things that you can control. And that's tough. <laughs> What's your advice to somebody out there that's like trying to budget a movie right now? They have a script in front of them and they're just trying to, is there like a place that they can get a form to start with? Yeah, you can probably Google all kinds of stuff. Just like, you know, um, production budget, film, film production budgeting or something like that. And you can get all kinds of templates. Um, I would, I would start with like, get the number of the money that you have together, like whatever that number is and like write that down on a, on a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or something. And then, um, you know, start, like you said, I think it's a really smart way to do it. It's like figure out what you can get for free. Um, and like DP with a camera is probably something you can get for free a lot of the time because like the you know lots of people have cameras and everyone wants to make movies so if you have a great idea um getting a dp on board shouldn't be the the hardest thing in the world like a lot of the best dps i know like they were found by directors on craigslist 
years ago and um, did a project with somebody in that form. And then like later on, they went on to bigger, better things. Like the first movie I worked on, the DP had uh, met the director on Craigslist and did his first feature and then came back to do his second feature. And now that DP is like off in LA with an agent manager and shooting like big, like, you know, mid, mid level features now, you know? And then uh, Jason who DP would this last thing, he met Bailey, the director um, on Craigslist years ago. And he did like, I think three or four movies with him. I think this is his fourth movie. And it's just cause he likes Bailey and they like their, he likes his style. So he just continues to work with him and they've just done a lot of cool stuff together. So I think like going to Craigslist for a DP isn't really a bad idea. Like you, you could get lucky, find somebody really great on there, you know? Um, but yeah, I would do that. I would figure out what can you get for free, make a list of all the things you can get for free and then, you know, make a list of all the things you can't get for free and then start, you know, putting your budget out for those things. But like, yeah, don't forget food. Um, don't forget gas, you know, for you or for your actors or whatever, or for crew or whatever. Um, and then don't forget, um, well, if you get a real crew, like with a gaffer with a G and E team, like they're going to need walkie talkies. So you got to budget in for walkies. Cause if they don't have them, they'll be really pissed at you and they won't work as well together. Um, <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. And I I, I feel like if you don't know what something costs, call somebody who will and just ask them. And you can always ask for a bid too. Can you give me a bid for like what it costs for this this equipment for this amount of days and for these people to run it? And so you at least get a baseline. And just say it's an indie, indie narrative film. We're working on a really low budget. So if you can get, if you have some sort of indie film rate, I would love to to get get that discount, you know? And And then it's all negotiable from there, right? Yeah, exactly. Other thing, don't forget to bring a trash can and trash bags because wherever (laughs) you are, you're going to need a trash can and trash bags because it'll just, otherwise you're going to destroy your location and just really piss off whoever agreed to let you be there. So, you know, make sure to have that (laughs) in mind. Yeah. Um, any, Any last thoughts or, you know, before you go? Uh, let's see. I don't. I don't. Sorry. I have nothing prepared. That's okay. Well, I think that was useful. I mean, I could talk about budgeting for short films forever. And hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be able to talk about budgeting for feature films forever too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's one of those things is like you just get better with it with experience. Like I think just doing it a bunch of times and knowing what rates are and like you said, what rates you've been paid and what rates people should be paid, but what they're willing to work at. That's all useful stuff that you just learn as a producer. You're not going to know it your first time out. So yeah. experience, I feel like in producing, especially experience is like a huge part of learning that job. You just have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it a bunch of times. Go out and make a movie, man. You know, Go see, do see, it. see what works, see what doesn't, you know, and tell yeah. us and show them to us when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. I'm going to take us out because I got to run. Do it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to all the things we talked about in this episode and all our other episodes. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And please, if you like the show, tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes. 
That's it. That's our show. Thanks, Ulrich. Thanks, Timothy. And I know we didn't do a share corner, but I really quickly want to shout out Anders Ericsson sent me a music video that he directed uh, for oh, yeah, a band cool. HXXS, I think, or HXSS. I think it's HXXS. But anyways, it was awesome. I showed it to Timothy. He liked it a lot. What yeah, I, it's really cool. What I didn't tell you, though, is he did that all by himself. That's amazing. <laughs> he DP'd, directed, lit, and and edited everything. And, That's cool. And he shot on a red and a couple other cameras. And, you know, it's just, it's really impressive, man. Like, I was just, I'm blown away. I watched it like three or four times now. And I just think it's... It's pretty sweet, you know. So I'm gonna put a link to that in in the show notes, so everyone check it yeah. out and get and we'll tweet it out next week too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks so much, everybody. All right, see you guys. Talk to you next week.